1: San Diego State University is halting its in-person classes. The university is now reporting 64 COVID-19 cases since reopening last week. SDSU says they'll shift to online-only learning for the next month. University officials say a majority of students didn't actually set foot on campus, and those that did were mostly for health services. The county's Dr. Eric McDonald says they're still investigating the cases but he pointed to off-campus socializing.
0: You should not be scheduling or attending uh, social gatherings that are not essential. And the essential job of a student is to participate fully in education. And most of that is online.
1: He says there haven't been hospitalizations, but he expects the number of cases to grow. Businesses are reopening their indoor operations this week with some restrictions. And this time, businesses are required to take contact information from customers in the event of an outbreak. The local chapter of the California Restaurant Association says they've been working closely with county health officials, but they were caught off guard by the new mandate. Ben Clevenger is the chapter president and owns The Hills in La Mesa.
0: We're trying to adhere to everything possible that just makes the safety of our staff and our and our and our um, patrons the number one priority. And this just doesn't seem something that goes towards that.
1: County Public Health Officer Dr. Wilma Wooten doesn't believe they're asking for too much here.
2: We want them to keep it on hand for a period of three weeks. This information will help with our contact tracing efforts and help us be more efficient.
1: The new mandate went into effect this week. The clock is now ticking for California cities, housing agencies, and tribal authorities to apply for HomeKey. It's a $600 million plan promoted by Governor Gavin Newsom to buy hotels, motels, and apartment buildings to get people without shelter off the streets.
2: I've long believed uh, that homelessness is solved through permanent supportive housing. i said it many, many times uh, that shelter solves sleep. But housing and supportive services solve homelessness.
1: Home Key follows on the heels of Room Key, which has sheltered 22,000 homeless people in rented rooms since April. $550 million of the money comes from federal coronavirus relief funds, which must be spent by the end of the year. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, September 3rd, and you're listening to San Diego News Matters from KPBS News, a daily morning news podcast powered by everyone in the KPBS Newsroom. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. San Diego County gyms are allowed to reopen this week, but there was one gym that remained open for two months unlawfully despite public health orders to close. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says that gym will likely get off scot-free.
0: Boulevard Fitness in University Heights finally shut down last week, but reopened Monday under the state's new guidelines. And the city attorney's office says if it stays in compliance, the owner won't have to pay any fines. UCSD public health professor Rebecca Fielding Miller says that might seem unfair to people and that citations and fines have a role to play when businesses endanger public health, but she says social pressure can work too.
2: And I think it is perfectly appropriate to reinforce those social norms for us as a community to say this is unacceptable social behavior.
0: Brian Welch is general manager of Point Loma Sports Club, which obeyed the county's health order while Boulevard Fitness flouted it. He says he won't judge other businesses too harshly if they had to stay open to survive. But he says the pandemic will be over faster if everyone just follows the rules. I think it's less about punishment and more about community. And if it's everybody just wanted to throw open the doors, we're not going to wear masks and then you look at the toll which is sickness and death. I mean the the stakes are pretty high. The city attorney's office says Boulevard Fitness could still face fines if they violate the public health order again.
1: That was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. San Diego County Catholics can once again have services inside their churches. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says churches must follow social distancing and are limited to 100 parishioners.
0: Both inside and outside, mass is now very different. There's no holy water in the fonts, communion can only be received by hand, singing is not permitted, and worshipers have to wear masks and maintain seven feet of social distance at all times. Father Peter Navarra is a priest at St. Joseph's Cathedral in downtown San Diego. He says being indoors brings himself and other Catholics closer to their faith. Now, instead of being outside in the sun and the wind, we can be more conveniently inside, indoors, and of course, uh, it's more sacred. Churches can still have outside services, and parishes are encouraged to continue to livestream masses so that vulnerable communities can exercise their spirituality. Jacob Air, KPBS News.
1: The Environmental Protection Agency will make a big investment to help stop the flow of cross border sewage and trash in Imperial Beach. KPBS Environment reporter Eric Anderson has our story.
3: EPA Chief Andrew Wheeler says his agency will spend $25 million to divert some 10 million gallons a day of sewage tainted wastewater and trash. Supervisor Greg Cox praised the move after months of massive cross border flows. We are now moving forward with actual solutions and projects to address this problem. Imperial Beach Mayor Serge Dedina says his city has endured a sewage apocalypse.
0: And Making sure that my kids, all our kids, and all our residents, our Border Patrol agents, our Navy SEALs, and all of us uh, can swim and surf and have the best day of their lives at our beautiful Imperial Beach and Coronado coastline.
3: The EPA is also working on possibly spending $300 million more for a long-term solution to the sewage issue. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: For about a century, San Diegans have been buying their electricity from San Diego Gas and Electric. But the city's agreement with the company is about to expire. Mayor Kevin Faulkner says he plans to put a new agreement up for bid to private utilities, but community activists want public power. KPBS science and technology reporter Shalina Chetlani has our story.
2: It was a scorching hot August afternoon. Over a dozen activists lined the stairs of the tall brown skyscraper at 101 Ash Street downtown. The building was once occupied by San Diego Gas and Electric's parent company, Sempra Energy. Activists gathered here to announce a new coalition with an ambitious goal. A city-owned utility. The city bought 101 Ash in late 2016 for hundreds of millions of dollars, but it remains empty because it turns out it's filled with asbestos activists say the building is symbolic of wasted money. Just like the high rates, San Diegans pay for electricity.
0: We're paying $18,000 a day to pay for this uninhabitable building. The current franchise, SDG&E, is delivering a million dollars a day
2: in profits. That's former energy journalist Craig Rose. He says San Diego gas and electric customers pay the highest rates in the state, while cities with public utilities like Sacramento have among the lowest rates engineer Bill Powers says a public utility could help the city better reach its ambitious climate change goals. Solar power for all,
0: battery power for all.
2: Then there's another reason these activists want public power now timing. Interest rates are at historic lows, and now, they say, is a good time for a big infrastructure investment. But city leaders aren't on board. The mayor and key members of city council say breaking away from a contract with a private utility at this time would be too hard and cost too much money. Meanwhile, activists pledge to continue their fight to have public power, like thousands of cities across the country, including about 45 that operate in California.
0: It sort of boils down to we can control our own reliability.
2: Barry Moline is executive director of the California Municipal Utilities Association. He says reliability and meeting aggressive environmental goals are two of the main reasons cities opt for public
0: power. We have a different motive. They're focused on profits. Our focus is on controlling costs.
2: He brings up the Sacramento Municipal Utility District. The utility formed in the 40s and offers residents among the lowest rates in the state, with nearly half of its energy mix coming from renewable sources. But Stanford Energy lawyer Michael Wera says buying the private utilities' poles and wires costs billions of dollars.
0: You can't just take them for free. You have to pay the owners of those assets.
2: Also, Wera and others say it's highly likely SDGE would sue to block the city's move.
0: It is wildly complicated to arrive at a number, and it creates an opportunity to fight.
2: It took Sacramento two decades of court fights to ultimately municipalize. These realities resonate with San Diego's current leadership. For me, uh, it's it's a no right now. Councilmember Barbara Bree has consistently said public power isn't on the table right now. It is not free to take over those transmission lines. Second, I have no confidence in the city to operate anything. San Diego hired consultants earlier this year to look into the feasibility of public power. They estimate the cost for taking over SDG&E's gas and electricity infrastructure as ranging from around $2 billion to just under $5 billion. In all low to medium cost scenarios, which are most likely, the reports say the city would ultimately save money with a public power option. But in the least likely high cost scenario, public power wouldn't be worth it. And that's the advice Mayor Kevin Faulkner took. His office is moving ahead with an auction to take bids from private utilities to take over the franchise. As for SDG&E, a company spokeswoman said SDG&E is a good partner and plans to submit a competitive bid. Cody Patterson of the San Diego Democrats for Environmental Action says activists aren't giving up.
0: We do need a city that actually starts to work for its citizens more broadly, and we're already working on a path to do that.
2: That path is trying to work with council members to stop any vote at city council when the mayor presents a franchise agreement. And if that isn't successful...
0: Our target is to create have municipal power in three to seven years. The path there is going to be bumpy one way or another. As bumpy as losing a million dollars a day? No, I don't think it is.
2: Shalina Chotlani, KPBS News.
1: For a longer version of this story, go to kpbs.org and look for the KPBS Investigate series. Coming up on San Diego News Matters, deaths at home from COVID-19 are up in San Diego County.
2: Nobody helped Nobody called Nobody say anything about how I can take care of him.
1: A number of these people received little to no medical care before they died. Our partners at iNewsSource looked into why this happened. That's up next after this break. An iNewsSource investigation has found deaths at home are up across San Diego County since the pandemic began. Some of those deaths involve COVID-19 victims who received little or no medical help. iNewsSource investigative reporter Mary Plummer has this story on a family in San Marcos. When Hector Navarro Lopez got sick, he and his wife tried to get medical help,
3: but they were turned away. When they arrived at North County Health Services in San Marcos, the husband had a mild cough and a normal temperature. Clinic staff were screening patients at the entrance. His wife, Noemi Arroyo Ramirez, says the staff quickly retreated inside once they learned he had a fever of 101 the night before. They say, oh, you have fever before? Well, I have 101 last night. Oh, no, I, we can't see you. We can't her husband would have a phone call with the doctor instead. During the call, the doctor told him to stay home and get back in touch once he had COVID-19 test results. This was the only medical care he would receive before the day he died of the coronavirus a week and a half later. County medical examiner records reviewed by source, show that some people died of COVID-19 with no medical help at all. He never told me he, he was in pain. When Navarro Lopez's test came back positive, his wife called the clinic to report the results. She left a message, but says she never got a call back. At their home in San Marcos, she cared for her husband, relying on things she'd seen on television, Google search results, and her own intuition. She gave him Tylenol and moved her children into a hotel so they wouldn't get sick. She checked his
2: temperature every hour. I ask every single time, do you feel okay? Are you OK? You don't have fever? You don't have, um, I mean, pain or respiratory problems? And he said, no.
3: Her husband woke early one morning, saying there was a problem with his legs. He looked OK, but his wife called 911. When the
2: ambulance arrived, he didn't want to go to a hospital. He, he sit down in the, in the bed and he said, um, I'm OK now, Flaka. Uh, I'm fine. I feel better. And I was so worried because I do not know what happened with him. I want at least um, the doctor check him and see what happens inside to take a, I don't know, x-rays or something to see what's, what's grown. She says he
3: walked normally to the stretcher, but shortly after he left, things took a turn. He had two heart attacks and died on the way to the hospital. When his wife remembers that day, her mind turns to how helpless she felt, how alone. Nobody helped
2: nobody called nobody said anything about how I can take care
3: of him. The clinic where the family tried to get help declined to comment on Navarro Lopez's care. County public health officials say they attempt to reach every positive COVID case for contact tracing. And that people tested at public clinics, like Navarro Lopez was, are contacted by public nurses with care instructions. Inside their apartment, memories are everywhere. Pieces of wood that Navarro Lopez had picked out to make the family a new TV stand. Photos and athletic trophies. The couple's three youngest children walk outside to their dad's bedroom window, the place they last saw him.
1: So for us to not even be able to hug him or like, you know, feel him and to just kind of like see him through a window, like it was definitely something that uh, had a big impact.
3: That's Hector, the couple's 22-year-old son. He says when he learned his dad had died, his legs went numb, and he felt like he might collapse. But he knows his father would want his children to go after their dreams and work hard in his memory.
1: He wouldn't want us to be sad or crying over his loss because that's just how he was. He, everything he would do, he did for us.
3: Navarro Lopez was just 52 years old and had no underlying health conditions.
1: That was Source investigative reporter Mary Plummer. This story was co-reported by Source investigative reporter Jill Castellano. Source is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening.